Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode six of Mentally Optimal. As the title would indicate, today's episode is going to be focused all around building and establishing routines for your everyday life and for specific tasks and activities that you want to get into a specific mindset or framework for. As always, Mentally Optimal is a podcast focused on educating the public on mental skills that can be applied to their everyday lives. These mental skills are grounded within the field of sport and performance psychology, but they have implications for anyone wanting to simply be better. Importantly, the topics covered within this podcast relate only to performance improvement, as no one affiliated with Mentally Optimal has any background in clinical or counseling psychology. As for me, your boy, my name is Anthony Alibro. I graduated from Florida State University with a master's in sports psychology and have had the opportunity to serve as a mental performance consultant, working with elite athletes across multiple domains and levels. For those wondering what mental performance consulting is, within the sport and performance world, mental performance consultants work with performers and athletes alike on the mental side of their performance. This can include things like ensuring their attention is where it needs to be. This can include how to handle pressure, especially in high-stakes scenarios. This can include building team cohesion and learning to work as a unit. It can also include things like the subject of today's podcast, which includes building routines to get into specified mindsets or to get into specific activation or, or arousal levels. This can include being hyped, energetic. This can also include being calm and collected. While much of the literature and findings within the field of sport and performance psychology are found within sport and performance domains, the information is highly relevant to anyone simply wanting to improve performance across all domains. With that being said, how I'm going to structure today's pod. So I'm going to talk about routine building, introducing what a routine is, what kind of sort of behaviors or actions or thoughts sort of comprise a routine, what to do in a routine to achieve a certain feeling state or a certain mindset, when and where routines specifically are effective, and ultimately why a routine is particularly effective. Now, many of us have established routines without even really thinking about them. When you think about the last few years, think about the general behaviors you go through when you wake up. The order might differ from person to person, but the morning routine likely consists of getting out of bed, brushing your teeth, hopefully putting on some deodorant for those around you, groggily marching toward the kitchen for your preferred caffeinated beverage, whether that be tea or coffee or something like that, getting dressed, and doing other things to get ready to start your day. The point of this example is that this routine is pretty much automatized for you. You're just simply putting yourself through the motions of it, and you're getting your mind and body ready for whatever tasks need to get accomplished. Now, the reason I bring this up is we can build other routines throughout the day for a variety of things, such as easing our nerves before a big presentation, getting ready to sit through hours of rather dull work, hyping ourselves up for an after-work workout session, Or if we're even trying to wind ourselves down before bed, we can implement and design routines for any of these to help get us into the specific mindset or mind space that we want to be in for an upcoming event or task. Now, a routine more formally defined, all it really is is a sequence of tasks, relevant thoughts, actions, or behaviors somebody can engage in systematically before performance or doing any kind of skill. Particularly important is that when a routine is created, they are completely individualized so that that person can prime themselves to get into an optimal mindset, 
preceding performance. Now, all this means is that imagine the different levels of sort of activation or arousal state, not that kind of arousal, but just kind of like how hyped up you are, your thoughts necessary that are context dependent on a specific task. For instance, if an athlete is about to take a free throw, which is a very fine motor movement that likely requires you to be calm and collected, the routine would hopefully put someone in a state of calm and collected and relaxed. On the other end of this, if someone's about to attempt a 600-pound deadlift, something requiring sheer power and force and probably a lot of hype, they don't probably want to feel really relaxed or calm. They want to feel amped. They want to feel really activated before doing such a lift, such a task. Now, what kind of things or behaviors or actions go into a routine? And as I kind of indicated beforehand, different kind of actions or behaviors are going to be warranted depending on the feeling state that you want to be in. And this is known as an individualized zone of optimal functioning. This is also shortened as ISOF within some of the sport and performance psychology literature. And all this is saying is that different people for different tasks have different zones of optimal functioning. It ultimately depends on the type of emotions and arousal levels that person wants to feel. And going right along with that idea that everyone's different, research suggests that for optimal performance, there is individualized zones of optimal functioning. So if you feel like you're at your best when you're completely calm, others might feel like they're at their best when they're really energetic, when they're really amped up or hyped for something, especially preceding an important performance. Now for myself, an example of this would be right before I go to give a presentation or I'm about to do some kind of public speaking. I personally like to be pretty hyped, pretty energetic, pretty amped, but I also like to remind myself that I'm in control, which kind of has a calming effect for me. So in that regard, it's kind of a balance between very energetic, very amped, as well as very calm, very collected. I know other individuals have like this really almost sort of primal fear of public speaking. And for them, they just try to do their best to take some deep breaths and get into this really calm and relaxing state, whether that be listening to like some really soft music beforehand, engaging in a deep breathing exercise, taking in some stretches, doing yoga, things like that. Ultimately, it just depends on what works best for you. That's all that individualized zone of optimal functioning means. Now, when you go to create a routine, you want to keep in mind not only the, the upcoming event, but also how you want to feel going into the event. Some things for those of you who want to feel really amped up, give yourself some positive self-statements to yourself. I'm going to kill this. I got this. Time to be great. Something along those lines that can help get you feeling ready to roll and excited and ready to just crush your upcoming event. You can also go to Spotify or go to Apple Music, whatever your preferred streaming platform is, and pick a music playlist that you know is going to amp you up. It could be a playlist that you work out to. It could be a playlist that you have parties with. And then choose a song or two to listen to prior to your important performance. As well, apart from those things, such as listening to like really amped up music or just telling yourself you're a go-getter and you're going to go kill this next event, visualize what your success is going to look like. So I want you to imagine and take a moment to envision what the end of your performance would look like if it was completely successful. Would you be met with a roaring round of applause? Would you be met with just some kind of light praise from a coworker? Whatever it is, take a moment to settle into that feeling. Especially if this is an event or a task or a project you've been successful in in a previous moment or a previous time, try to visualize not only what made it successful, but the rewards that came along with it. That's going to help you get really excited for that moment. That's going to help you get really amped up for it, especially if you had experienced and 
really success, prior success with those kind of tasks, that'll help you get and achieve that energetic excitement level and portray it to whoever needs it to be portrayed to, whether it be yourself or an audience. Now, the other end of this, for my people who want to be calm and collected and shake at the idea of something like public speaking, there are other things that you can do. And this is specifically, as I said, for those people that get really nervous and sometimes have those negative thought loops, negative thought cycles and stuff. And you can practice a technique called thought stoppage. And as you can probably guess, that means shutting down those negative sort of anxious thoughts and trying to focus on something more positive or even something more neutral. An example of this might be pivoting from self-statements like, I'm screwed, to something like rehearsing your upcoming performance. I'm going to do X when Y happens, so on and so forth. Another useful action to engage in if you want to calm yourself down would be to focus on your breathing. I think in previous podcasts, I've brought up a technique known as box breathing, also known as four by four by four breathing. So it's a four second inhale, four second hold, and a four second exhale. If you have any other preferred breathing techniques that work for you, by all means, put that to use. But if you're able to focus and slow down your breath, and it makes it actually physiologically more difficult to be anxious as you're signaling to the parasympathetic nervous system to slow down. Within that moment that you're also focusing on your breath, you're shifting your attention towards something a lot more neutral and away from that anxiety-inducing event. It does sound easy. It does sound a little bit too good to be true, but even taking a minute to focus on your breathing can help slow that heart rate down while also clearing your head prior to a major event. To calm down, you can also put to use music and streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. However, if you're really anxious and you're really wound up, you probably don't want to listen to heavy metal or rap unless that somehow calms you down. Rather, try to find a playlist that is slow or something you can study or maintain your attention to. And that'll kind of help you allow your mind to drift into a state of calm, collected, and tranquil. Now, am I talking out of my ass? No, I'm not. There's actually a lot of good evidence for the efficacy of routines. So within the context of sport and performance, they found that if for those athletes who incorporated performance routines, they can alleviate pre-performance anxiety, and that could potentially prevent choking. And a previous episode focused on how to manage performance anxiety and the theories about how anxiety disrupts performance. But to quickly recap that, Anxiety is thought to hinder a person's attentional resources as they are performing. So that's where choking occurs is anxiety disrupts attention and that disrupts performance. It can cause the person, anxiety, can cause the person to be distracted during performance or hyperfixated on a specific aspect of their performance. Now you can implement a routine and a routine can be a powerful way to nullify this anxiety especially right before performing to help get individuals into an optimal mindset. This is likely due to the idea that individuals are nipping those anxiety-inducing thoughts in the bud or engaging in some kind of self-talk or behaviors that allows them to orient and fixate their focus on what matters. If you're able to nullify that anxiety in the bud with an effective performance routine, it can do wonders for your performance across all domains, whether they be athletic, whether it be public speaking, whether it be academic, like taking a test, having a routine for those kind of things can be crucial. Now, outside of sport, there's actually a good amount of evidence to suggest that people who have sleep routines get to sleep quicker than those who don't have sleep routines. And this is an area, sleep, that's often overlooked when it comes to performing well. 
and that is the quality and quantity of sleep we are getting every night. So we can build routines to prepare ourselves for sleep by winding down and eliminating sources of light and media sources that might be too psychologically engaging, such as social media. You may already have a bedtime routine in place without even realizing it. This might look like preparing your food for the next day, changing into some comfy clothes, taking a hot shower or a bath, brushing your teeth, etc. Now, importantly, there might be things you're currently doing that might be delaying your ability to get to sleep at a decent time. For those nighttime scrollers on social media, just like me, your phone might be emitting blue light, which tricks the brain into thinking the time of day is different than it really is. And research shows that that blue light exposure late at night suppresses melatonin production and tricks the brain to try and stay awake, although you are wanting to try to get to sleep. Other things people might do is think about their long list of to-do lists for the next day. And I've done this multiple times and it's, you know, you're trying to convince yourself to go to sleep, but at the same time, you're trying to prioritize and think about all the things you have to do the next day. And then you don't get to sleep at a good time and you feel awful the next morning and exhausted. This causes you to cognitively not be at your best, and it feels like that long day just kind of compounds one after the other after the other. Now, a way to get around this late night problem solving or planning, some people call this like a worry journal. Um, individuals basically write down all the tasks or things on their mind that tend to keep them up at night, and then they promise themselves that they're going to think about it with a fresher head, aka that following morning. Because we all know when we're trying to go to sleep, after a long day, we're not at our peak cognitively, and it's only going to stress us out further if we're trying to put that brain to work when it's trying to get much needed recovery. Dealing with those issues with a fresher mind is not only more productive, but like I said, allows you to avoid that needless anxiety right before bed, and that has the potential to keep you up longer than you want to be. So for these sleep routines, emphasize activities that wind you down rather than, rather than things that are going to stress you out or keep you awake. In terms of when to start your bedtime routine, you might want to aim for maybe 30 to 60 minutes prior before you go to sleep. This allows you kind of adequate time for you to actually wind down and make the transition from on to off. Um, and another podcast with Andrew Huberman and Matt Walker. So I think this was the Huberman Lab podcast. Matt Walker, who's a sleep expert, he's also a professor of neuroscience, I think, with uh, research specializing in sleep at one of the California schools. I forget which one right now. But he likens sleep to landing a plane. Now, what that means is you're not going to go from about 35,000 feet in the air to the ground instantaneously. Rather, the process to going to sleep is a slower descent that's eased into until eventually the plane gracefully lands. So if you're wound up and then you put your head on the pillow, you're not just going to immediately fall asleep unless you have some kind of OP biohack that I need to learn about. But rather, your head's going to stay on the pillow. You're going to be thinking it's going to take time for you to wind down. If you engage in a sleep routine prior, 30 to 60 minutes prior, that can help you with that wind down process so that when you do hit the pillow and you're on the mattress, you aren't tossing and turning and constantly thinking about how tired you're going to be the next day just because you can't sleep. So that is kind of one way how you can implement and establish a sleep routine A sleep routine if you don't already have one. If you do have one, maybe make modifications where you see fit. Like I said, you can implement a routine for pre-performance, whether that be athletic performance, whether that be public speaking, whether that be academic performance, basically all kinds of performance. And you can implement specific things to get you into the mindset that you want to be in, whether that be specific self-statements, whether that be specific behaviors, 
actions, whatever. So another area and really one final area that I'm going to focus on to implement routines is to get over mistakes quicker, also known as a post mistake routine. And this can be especially, especially useful to have a routine for following a mistake or error because the tendency after an error is usually to dwell on it and think about not making the error again. Whereas if we were to just move on from it, it'd probably be a lot better rather than sit there, ruminate, and dwell on what went wrong. And again, this is across all performance domains. And that sounds a little bit too good to be true because our natural instinct when we make an error is to find out what went wrong. So a post-mistake routine can help you shift from the thoughts surrounding a mistake back to the task at hand. These routines are likely much more brief than a pre-performance routine or a sleep routine because you're probably in the process or in the midst of performing in a specific task, whether that be a presentation, whether that be an athletic or a sport or a perform like musical arts, things like that. So this can be something like a quick self-statement or cue phrase like moving on or just taking a simple deep inhale or exhale to shift your attention away from that mistake for just a moment. If you're able to get over that hurdle, so to speak, and you're able to establish what you're going to do after you make a mistake and think about those things proactively, it can help exp expedite that process of getting over the mistake and getting your attention back to where it needs to be. So to close this episode, I'm going to give you some tips about how to make these routines effective. And the reason these routines have been researched and found effective for individuals is because of the fact that they are well-practiced. Again, these routines are effective because they are well-practiced. Now, the first few times that you try to go and implement your routine that you just created for whatever task it might be, whether it be sleep, whether it be a sport, a lift, a presentation, whatever, and you go through the motions of it, it's going to feel a bit odd and the benefits may not be immediately rewarded. But over time, once you put it into practice multiple times, you'll go through the motions of this routine unconsciously. And that is when you'll begin to reap the rewards. Again, when these become automatized, these routines, and you do them without thinking, you can help to sort of harness or sort of engage and get yourself into an optimal mindset and readiness towards whatever performance you are about to engage in, regardless of context. Especially with that case of dealing with pre-performance anxiety, that sense of control yielded from those routines helps to mitigate any anxiety that may arise. So again, if you're able to implement a pre-performance routine specifically designed to nullify or to mitigate performance anxiety, that sense of control over the behaviors and actions that you're going to engage in can help grant you a certain sense of control. And that again can serve as an additional buffer towards that performance anxiety that you might be feeling. So practice and incorporate these routines frequently so that they become automatic. With that being said, that concludes episode six of Mentally Optimal. Let me know what you think. Please interact no matter what platform you're on. Like, comment, subscribe. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you have any specific routines that I didn't mention for that other users might be able to apply and help optimize certain tasks or projects within their everyday lives. With that being said, I will see you all next time. Thank you.